This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So joining me this time is uh, somebody that I'm looking forward to talking to, Joel Garbon. How do you pronounce your last name? Garbon? Garbon? No, no, it's, it's Garbon. Garbon. Just like carbon, but with a G. Well, that would make sense that it would rhyme with carbon because that's one of the things that you know a lot of stuff about. And you are a Urantia book reader for now, what, 30 years or so? And Well, uh, actually, it's been, it's been since about 2004. So yeah, maybe maybe about uh, uh, what, sixteen years ago. Years. Yeah, something like that. And I and I first ran across Joel. Well, Joel was listening to a podcast, but he was kind enough to reach out to me and share with me. He sent me a CD of a presentation that he did at the uh, Mega Conference, the USO Mega Conference in 2020. It was around what March of this year? Or no, March. Um, yeah, it was Fe- yeah February of 2020, the UFO uh, mega conference down in Laughlin, Nevada. And so, you know, you would think, okay, well, UFOs—that's not really something that, you know, I, I've not really talked about much UFOs as a phenomena, a cultural phenomena, on this program. Um, not for any particular reason. I'm not against UFOlogy, but anyway, you you actually, and I would imagine there are a lot of UFOlogists who have little awareness of the Urantia book. So what what got my curiosity was, well, here's this guy doing a presentation to a bunch of people who are really more concerned with ancient aliens and things that they might see on the History Channel than what would be in the Urantia book. So I watched it, and uh, he did a great presentation, and I'm going to share this presentation with you on our website, UrantiaRadio.net. I've gotten Joel's permission to do so. And it is a a PDF, which we'll make available for you to download. And as I was looking through it, Joel, uh, obviously it's voluminous, but you painstakingly go through just about all the key points uh, of the Urantia book in order, I might add, which is pretty good. Most people will start with something and then move their way backward, but you actually, you know, introduced it with the ideas of Trinity and defining what religion is and you know you you were methodical in your presentation and that shouldn't be surprising because uh joel has worked for more than 35 years as an international industrial science consultant and educator he's also the inventor of several commercially successful technologies and he is the co-author of an award-winning book breakthrough power how quantum leap new energy inventions can transform our world among other things, uh, Joel is also the president emeritus of the nonprofit New Energy Movement, which we'll probably delve into in just a moment. But anyway, his presentation on explaining the Urantia book to people who have never heard of it, uh, who might have some interest in ufology, um, 
would really get it. And, and Joel has been gracious enough to allow me to share this with you. And there's no cost or anything. Isn't that cool? So anyway, Joel, without me blabbing on and on and on, uh, thank you for joining me on this Urantia Audio Podcast. How are you? Oh, great, Jim. I'm really happy to have the chance to have a conversation with you today. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope that your audience really gets uh, something out of this and it stimulates some thoughts in their minds about the big questions that we all have to contend with. Well, I want to talk about you, so uh, let's do that. You and many people who are part of the Arantia book uh, are aware of A Course in Miracles. I I first heard about it uh, back in the 80s as well, but I had already discovered the Arantia book. So to me, The Course in Miracles, kind of funny, Joel, but to me it was like, uh, you can mess around with the Course in Miracles, but I got the real deal over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can go hang out with Marianne Williamson. Go ahead. I'm going to stick with. Uh, I'm going to hang out with uh, Barry Bedell. Anyway, uh, Barry is an old. He's the son of Clyde Bedell, who did the Concordix uh, out in Santa Barbara. But you were a, a, a were you a devotee? Now the Course in Miracles was supposedly channeled uh, uh, the the teachings of of Jesus, correct? Correct, but in a different way than what we find the teachings of Jesus in the Arantia book. I I guess I could give you, let me give you a a little synopsis of my experience uh, with both books. Uh, I was back in 1992 when uh, my wife at the time had introduced A Course in Miracles to me. And I was I was very skeptical about this. You know, as a scientist, I really am very much a show-me-the-data type of personality. And ideas of metaphysics, while I thought were very interesting to consider, I had a, a science skepticism about any of these claims of channeling and, uh, you know, unusual abilities and, and things like that. Uh, but but I was I was open to having an experience. If someone could demonstrate something to me or something could present it that really uh, justified the claims of something exceptional, I was open to it, which I think a scientist should be. You know, we should always be willing to look at new information and consider new data and have an experience and then be honest about what we encounter. And I have to acknowledge that when... I started to read A Course in Miracles, despite skepticism about it. Very quickly, I was having a very powerful personal experience. And what I would say, uh, I often use the term personally profound mystical experiences, because I think this is something that each person has at different times in their lives. They are unusual experiences they they can't really explain too well but they know they are very real and it's it can result in powerful transformations and that is exactly what happened with me as i studied and practiced the principles in a course in miracles uh over well i would just say from 1992 up to 2004 when i first uh, encountered the urantia book I had practiced the principles of A Course in Miracles 
uh, very devotedly. And the, the A Course in Miracles, essentially the claim is that Jesus is the author. And I believe that that is indeed the case. Um, you know, I, I could go into that on many different levels, why I believe that that's, that that's the case. But the practical uh, side of it is that I went through a radical transformation in my own life that I would say, and I think those who know me well would concur, I became a better man uh, on, on all levels, uh, as, a, uh, as a father, as a brother, as a friend, as a co-worker, um, however you might want to describe it. I became a better man uh, through the practice of the, the teachings and principles in A Course in Miracles. Now, what went along with that were a number of these, what I would call personally profound mystical experiences, that the, the Course actually describes the likelihood of the person who dedicates themselves to practicing the principles actually having some unusual uh, phenomena occur. And, uh, and sometimes they describe those as quote-unquote, light episodes. And uh, a light episode uh, has different, various connotations to it, but, but I would say some of them actually involved, in my case anyway, I actually started to see spontaneous auras around people. And it was very shocking to me. Of course, first time that happened, <laughs> I, was, I was literally stunned and what the heck is going on here? Um, but, you know, I was gradually able to relax into it because this is something that was happening very frequently. And I might be, in some instances, in the middle of a business meeting where I'm presenting to a room full of engineers and uh, in, my, in my career of, of being a science educator and consultant. And then all of a sudden, an individual who I would be, you know, directing my conversation toward, all of a sudden, boom, there would just be this brilliant explosion of light around that person. The beautiful, beautiful and stunning. And they were totally unaware of what was going on because I'm having this perceptual experience of my own and uh it, it, it was very, let's put it this way it was very hard to stay on track well did you say anything to these people talk, talk, talk. did you say hey you're glowing right now well and after i became acclimated to how frequently these these spontaneous aura uh perceptions were occurring then i was able to give some expression to what i was perceiving and I had to size it up very carefully because you got to realize that so many, so many of the times this happened with strangers or in a professional setting mm. where I'm the one at the front of the room who's <laughs> pretty much there on the stage. And so I had to be uh, generally very selective and careful about how I would reveal what it was I was experiencing right. uh, with an individual and usually it was in a more private setting where it was just one on one and i i i would you know let them know does this still happen by the way does this still what, go what's on that? does this still happen very rare very very rarely jim 
Uh, and in, in the Course of Miracles, it states that these, the experiences of these light episodes are meant to help the, the person understand that they are going through a transformation. Did they, did they help in, you do that? Did it help you? I'm going to be a real oh, skeptic look, on this one. Oh, oh, I hope you don't oh, mind. Ab- ab- I mean, what did you it, what it, did you oh. learn from, like for example, if you were, you know, in a situation where you were with somebody and all of a sudden out of nowhere you start seeing this aura around them? What what was it that you were being revealed to be allowed to see that you went? Oh, now I know why that happened with that person. Were there instances well, I, where you had I, that? Yeah, I. Don't. I don't specifically know why it would happen with any particular individual, but what I can say is my my universal response internally to this was how beautiful people are, oh. how holy, how holy people are, because we are created as the children of yeah. God. Well, that's true. And so, yeah, and so, you know, I, I've had many, many... Uh, Oh, uh, you know, in my earlier life, you know, many, many people would have said that, you know, I had some characteristics that weren't particularly desirable as a man and, and how I treated people and how I thought of people, judgmental oh. and very aggressive in many ways. Wow. But, but through the, through what I had been learning here through the practice of the course was how to see the innocence in people. And yeah, see, the, 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 that's the good. I'm, I'm happy for you. But you know what? That's not... The, the Urantia book doesn't do that. I don't think that the Urantia book tries to paint this picture that people are, you know, innately pure and and we just have to love them. You know, we're savage animals. We are capable of so much evil that it's it's actually quite sickening. Uh, and, oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know, so... If I went around feeling like that about everybody, I'd I, I would already I'd be broke and homeless because I'd be giving everything away, you know, based on that very lofty. And I'm not trying to be overly critical, but that's exactly why I didn't like a course in miracles because I felt like it was a lot of this self. You know, you're hearing in, in the world today about embracing your own individuality. What the hell does that mean? In fact, I'm glad you brought it up because I just got something from the fellowship. Uh, that really irked me, and I wanted to bring it up with you and see if you felt the same way. Because it kind of okay. touches on this. Because, see, we in the Urantia community have to be very mindful of the credibility of this book. And, yes. and, if, and, and if we start to present it, and this is one of the issues that I have with people in the Urantia community, is that they're trying to turn it into a religion. And it's not a religion. It, it is a, it's a narrative. It's a it's a history book. It's a, it, it explains things in a very literal sense. It, 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 they don't leave any mysteries unturned unless there's just some sort of a revelatory mandate. You know what I'm saying? But I get this yeah. email from the Urantia Book Fellowship, and it's all about an upcoming event that's called the Alchemy of Women's Compassion in Action. And it's under the banner, and it comes from the fellowship, but when you actually read some of their... Well, here, here's some of their, their tenets that they're espousing. And I'm going to ask you if you think any of this has anything to do with Urantia teachings. We'll, we'll be inspired and activated by world-renowned speakers. We'll be in a sacred circle and listen in. 
We'll get into our bodies and hearts. We'll nurture our creativity and discover our courage. We will honor our compassion and power. We will participate in a water ceremony. Breakout sessions will include a water ceremony, movement, and music. Portions of our proceeds will support our other group, which is gets a lot of money to go around and teach this stuff. It has nothing to do with the Arantia book. And yet, why is it coming from the Arantia book fellowship? You see what I'm saying? So we, we have to be... Uh, your scientific critical mind is the one that is, to me, more valuable. <laughs> Not yeah, the one that yeah. sees well, the auras. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Of course, it, of course, the, what the event you just described, which does sound more like a a nice yoga retreat, it does more than anything, yeah, dressed up right? under the banner of Urantia, and that that's not yeah. going to work with me. You know, if yeah. you want to get and together and I, talk about history I, and science and you know uh, the the yeah. relationship with God, I'm in. Count me in. You know, so. Yeah. I, I get you. Yeah, it sounds like um, like the marketing that went around an event like that was really trying to use this this lovely uh, um, Ugh, experiential platitudes. language uh, <laughs> to try to try to to make it more attractive to a larger audience rather than hey we're gonna really embark on an intellectual intellectually challenging journey by yes. examining what the what the teachings and precepts are in this book that's unlike any others. And so, man, you better bring your, bring your top, uh, top mind game with you. That's why I liked your presentation because you went through it. It was intellectually, it it was consistent. It made sense from an intellectual level, if that's even possible, when you can present Trinity as an intellectual exercise, it has to make sense in our mind. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. Let, let me, let me, I do want to kind of come full circle. You know, you had asked me initially about, you know, you know, what was it about A Course of Miracles that actually led me to the Arantia book, which really is the more pertinent thing here. And I maybe I was going a little bit too much into some of that, that personally profound. No, 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 it's all good. It. It, but it, it got us to that yeah. point where we needed to, you know, talk about that because, you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want anybody to, uh, I've seen your work and I've seen your writings and, you know, what you're saying to me is profoundly uh, wonderful. I wish I could see auras. God, I wish I could see a midwayer. How many of us in the Arantia community go, Jesus, just once? Can I just see one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but you but, have, you've you seen know, many. Not, it's not so important. It's really not so important. It, and what the Course had said about those experiences is that they would be temporary. They were just meant to help the individual understand that they are expanding their perception because there is a lot wider world out there of reality than what we perceive with our very limited physical senses. And, of course, the Urantia book very much reveals that as well, that there's, yeah. there is so much more to life and reality, especially in the Marantia realms and the spiritual realms than in this very limited uh, uh, material view of reality that we get through physical through, through human physical eyesight which is limited to this very yeah tiny, very tiny small white light electromagnetic absolutely yeah. sure imagine if we yeah. had seven you know what is it how many uh senses we're, the orange book says we're supposed to be endowed with what 12 uh, i i have you if if that's yeah, a wrong well, number 
Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, many, many, many more uh, as we progress along through the, the various Marantia upsteps as we progress along, you know, after we leave this, this physical. And, and uh, from experience. a scientist's point of view, Joel, how does that play with you? Have you figured out, like, for example, there's one where it talks about exactly the number of elements in the Marantia realm mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, of elements, and there are physical elements. I want to ask you about that. It's not often that I have the opportunity to ask somebody who actually knows the table of elements and probably better than most. But have you mm-hmm. have you uh, postulated what those elements would be? Is it is it have to do with perhaps axial revolution? Uh, maybe that's a little bit higher of a frequency, and so therefore, almost as if it's a parallel, because it's exactly a hundred elements to, uh, that 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 make up the marantia materials, if you will. And we have a, well, exactly, I think, what does yeah, that have I to do they, with? They, yeah, I think I think uh, what the book says, in my understanding of it, and, and of course there's a lot of detail on it here, is that they're saying there are basically 100 material elements that comprise the inhabited worlds. Right now, is that is it actually 100 one zero zero? Or is it approximately 100? All right, because you know any and modern, you know nuclear physics and chemistry say, well, no, clearly there's more than 100, but but they're not stable. Those, those extra elements have been discovered through the result of very uh, very intense bombardment experiments inside particle accelerators. Which isn't really what you find. I mean, you don't just go walking down the street well, and say, right. oh, well, here's a, <laughs> not a, a nuclear <laughs> collider, so let's, you know, we're, we're going to be able to use some of this stuff to make some bricks and build a house. You know, so, yeah. you know, they I, what I think they're probably saying is there's approximately 100 very stable material elements that you find throughout the inhabited universe that comprises the worlds of space. Now, on the, now on the Marantia level... There are other possibilities that may range up to 1,000 elements. And now what might that entail? I mean, our, <clears throat> our human understanding of what comprises uh, the elements has to do with the balance of charges in, in, the, in the nucleus of an atom, you know, between the, the amount of protons you have and the other the neutrons that are the nucleus and then the, the surrounding shell, the electrons. And how those those balance out in order to have a truly stable atomic structure, okay? But on a Marantia level, where we're, we're now we're dealing with with other energy factors, and because they say very clearly that as you progress from the material reality to the Marantia reality, then to the spiritual reality, there are other energy factors that come into play that could play a role in the stabilization of an atom or what, what we might call the, the foundation of matter itself, whether it's, it's physical matter or marantia matter, that we just simply don't understand and can't explain with our, our current human understanding of, of chemistry and physics. Well, there's, so, this is a quote here. It's in, uh, from paper 5. Section 12, it says, The warp of Marantia is spiritual. Its woof 
W-O-O-F is physical. So what would that be? In, how would you interpret that statement? Well, I would... <coughs> What's a warp? <coughs> like a shell? Like the, the, the thing that operates within a parameter? That would be the warp, and then the wolf would be... Well, you're the scientist in the room. Well, yeah, I, I think they're talking about something else here. I, I think what they're talking about, you know, the warp and whoop, they're talking about what is the genesis of matter itself. Ah. The genesis of matter is spirit, and then spirit goes through descensions to get to matter. So you go from spirit, then you go to mind, then you go to energy, then you end up at matter. Kind of like 5G, spirit, <laughs> 10G. Yeah, spirit is the foundation of it. And I think by, by the warp and the woof, they're just talking about <clears throat> what's, the, <clears throat> what's yeah. the genesis and what's the ultimate yeah. manifestation. That makes sense. It's all, the, yeah. This is always spiritual at the beginning of things, and then, then the, the lowest ascension is in, in matter itself, something material. And, you know, there's something interesting about yogic philosophy itself, for those who have, have studied, you know, the yogic teachings, you know, they they describe this in uh, in terms of there being these these dissensions from spirit that that result in material reality, and and they'll use in the Vedic tradition, you know, they'll talk about Atman as the primal spirit. Then they'll talk about chitta, mind, and then akasha, uh, or excuse me, then prana, which is energy, and then akasha, which is matter. And so the the yogic philosophy, the Vedic, you know, interpretation, you know, does does define the the primacy of spirit. And then there's mind, which is the activating agent of spirit. Then you have energy, which which is a a manifestation of the movement of spirit through mind, and then you have matter, where we actually can can build something, and where we can at this level, at the human level, we actually can can navigate a world and have that experience. So th- I, I look at it as there's there's harmony through all of those stages, and I think all those who who understand it see, yeah, there's a beautiful harmony there. But everything originates in spirit, and it ultimately resolves back to spirit. Just like how the Urantia book says, hey, God is spirit, and is the primal creator, the originator. And yes, there are many of these, uh, oh, these, these sevenfold expressions of divine that ultimately can result in in. A, a physical world, a physical universe, and humanity to experience it, but it all ends up going back to the primal source, going back to the universal Father. So, so we are so fortunate that we get to experience this from the material level, and then go back through these levels of energy, mind, and arriving back home at pure spirit. It's such a, a beautiful, balanced uh, e- equilibrium of, of forces uh, that, that how, how could anyone have made this up? I mean, what an immense 
what an immense, beautiful intellect must our Creator have in order to to have this this whole uh, drama and the, the the dynamism of this, and we get to experience all of it, and and it excites me from yeah from that science level that I was was educated with and have some natural aptitude for, but at the spirit level in my own heart and soul. It just gives me such a grand appreciation for, man, what an awesome creator we have, and we get to partake of this experience. And, and you know, reading through the Urantia book and how it so, so, you know, consistently, coherently describes all of this in this comprehensive way that is challenging, but it is understandable. It, but you got to put the time in, right? Yeah. You know, you've been studying it for thirty to forty years, and so so many others have been, you know, studying it for decades. I'm still, you know, in, heading toward my second decade of study, but it is understandable. Oh, it gets better. And, I'm telling you, it's like watching a great movie. Uh, every time you watch it, you see a new thing that you didn't see before. And you know, I you're you 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 kind of are in the driver's seat because you're much more attuned to the disciplines of science and your education, no doubt, and your life experience. So you can see things even I can't see much more clearly. I, you know, a lot of the science goes right over my head. Even, I think, the most complicated section of the book was like paper 119, 118, 117, right before it gets to the fourth part. It, it, it's so spiritually advanced that uh, it would probably require another lifetime before I could even uh, begin to contemplate some of the things in the paragraphs are so compact. It's like uh, spiritual truth concentrate that would take decades for me to unravel, you know. Um, <laughs> That's a great description of it. <laughs> well, you know, you know uh, the guy that runs the foundation, Mo Siegel, I think appropriately called it a smart religion. But it's really more of an intellectual and spiritual and philosophical uh, to me, at least, it's it's a, you know, what is it? Meredith Sprunger said, if this isn't the way that reality is, it's the way the reality should be or could be because it does answer those, those mis- mysteries, those great mysteries. Why are we here? What are we doing here? What's our purpose? What's our goal? And I, I've never found anything that can answer all of those questions so succinctly and the way that you presented it. And again, I want to remind people, go to urantiaradio.net and we'll have the PDF of Joel Garbin's work uh, that he did recently. You could actually probably publish this into a inner Urantia book for dummies if you wanted to. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny, Jim, on, on when I consider... Why did this even come about? What, what was it that was stimulating me to make this presentation, to put in the hundreds of hours of work into it? And while I don't know fully why, I can say that most definitely there was a spiritual impulse that was just nagging, not just nudging, but nagging me mm, yeah. to do this. And I think where it it likely comes from is you know i've I've made a commitment consistently um, to God over the the last several decades that I want to do what is mine to do with whatever 
skills and aptitudes and occasions for contact with other other people. I want to serve in whatever ways I can, and I'm open to doing that. And and my daily prayer includes this commitment to God, and it's, it's show me what you would have me know, what you would have me do, where you would have me go, who you would have me meet, and what you would have me say. That is at the core of my daily prayer as a commitment to do the Father's will as it might manifest in one man's life here who's had, you know, this 61 years of of experience, Uh, but just like everyone else has had their own, you know, personal experience of of living. But I, I am doing my best to consecrate you know, my life to do what is mine to do. Now, it is it is true that in my experience, I do have a an ability to take very complex technical concepts and massage them into language that is understandable by the non technical public. Yeah. It for whatever Clearly. reason it's a gift seem to have. It's been at the foundation of so much of the consulting work that I have done for for quite a few decades, as 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 being a a technical consultant to various industries and giving a lot of of presentations at various conferences where the non technical public were there, so it's it's a skill that I've kind of honed um, over a long period of time. So I think the spirit, whether it's you know my my guardian angels or or you know the indwelling spirit whatever whatever the the spiritual uh you know forces are that they're saying okay look you know you're saying you want to sign up to do something helpful well here's here's a way you can help so i i took it seriously uh the uh the invitation came to me from one particular uh director of a major ufo conference who was aware that I had spoken at a number of other uh, conferences where the main topics were the UFO ET phenomenon. But in each of those cases, I had been invited to speak on the topic of breakthrough energy technologies because very clearly in the whole scheme of the UFO ET dynamic, if there are civilizations that are using technology to transport themselves from a planet very distant to this planet, they undoubtedly have advanced propulsion and advanced energy technology to go along with that advanced propulsion to to get that that vehicle from there to here. So, so well, I was always had previously been invited to speak at these conferences on the topic of breakthrough energy technologies and how it, how it translates to the advanced propulsion. So here I get this invitation from this this conference uh, that that annually has been held down in Laughlin, Nevada, and a director says, "Well, Joel, we'd love to to have you come and and talk at our conference." And I said, "Well, what do you want me to talk about?" And he says, "Well, what you usually talk about breakthrough energy technologies." And I thought about it for a couple seconds, and I said, "No, no, I don't want to do that anymore." I said, "I've already done that, and I feel like there's enough." there's enough information that I'd put out there from, from my perspective on the breakthrough energy that there's, there's, 
no need to do it again. I want to talk about something else. And he says, what's that? I said, I want to address this question. Is there a universal religion among the advanced inhabited planets? And he said, what? I said, is there a universal religion among the advanced inhabited planets? And he says, I love it. I love it. He says, that's fresh. That's not a topic that's ever been addressed as far as, as he was aware, certainly not at his, his own conference. So I said, okay, well, then there's the deal. So that was on me to start preparing this. Well, now, of course, what I already knew was that I wanted to introduce the concepts of the Urantia book that have so enriched my own life and understanding of, of, of reality. I wanted to share that with with not just this audience, but with with other audiences uh, and that eventually it could get out there and be helpful in some way with maybe, maybe some, some form of presentation of the Urantia information that, that might be easier to grasp uh, because the book itself is so daunting for people who first pick it up, you know, 2000 pages of this, this small Bible print that, you know, it's like, Oh my God, how am I ever going to get through this? So, I felt like this was the challenge in front of me. So, so I just took, took several months to put this PowerPoint presentation together. And, uh, and it, it turned out that the, the audience really, really were enthralled by this. And, and in fact, they asked the, the conference producer if, if I could have more time on stage to essentially do a part two. Uh, which he agreed to do. So they gave me uh, additional time to uh, present more of the information. So it was very, very well received. And I, I had this feeling like, okay, this is just the beginning of this. This was not meant to just be you know, presented to one, one small audience at, at one particular conference, but it's meant to get out there in a bigger way. Yeah. And Jim, I'll tell you what, that you, that you have, provided me the opportunity to speak of this, that you that you are willing to put the presentation up on your own website, I think is a very integral part of what this was all about. It, it wasn't just for me. This, this was meant to, to bring quite a few others into a collaboration to give this the opportunity for maximal helpfulness in understanding the ranch material. Well, the act hours, the consequence is God, as the Arantia book says. So we do what we do, and, you know, the uh, water will flow. Uh, but it's good to have you on, and I know we'll come come back and talk about other cool stuff that you and I, uh, you know, stuff, more of the science, the history, which is always so fascinating. But I do try to keep these under a certain amount of time, um, and I appreciate you coming on. And, again, go to net. And just to look around, I'll, I'll put the PDF there. It'll be up there. It'll say Joel, Car- uh, Joel Garbone PDF or something like that. I'll get creative. But it'll be up there, available for you to download. It's pretty impressive. Uh, share it with your friends. Uh, print it for yourself. It's just a great way of w- learning about the Urantia book in a very, well, I don't know. It, it might be better to have Joel just come to your house and do the presentation. And I'm sure he would be up for that. So... Uh, Joel, you want to give out your phone number? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. I, I'm sure my audience will love to have you back. and We'll talk about some more stuff coming up. Joel Garbin, uh, who has been on the program, 
with us talking about his presentation. And again, thank you for joining me on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Time keeps on slipping, slipping.